From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, Mike, Mike Davidson lives. Thank you for downloading, thank you for listening and hanging out for the next 30 minutes, and thank you for your patience, as I was just, uh, not, I was not feeling well Sunday night, uh, and usually I cut, I do this like twice a week, Sunday night and Wednesday night is my go-to in terms of download schedule, but uh, I was just... Uh, uh, plagued with a couple of plagues, so now uh, the, uh, the the schedule this week is going to be well Tuesday morning. This is when this drops, and then uh, Friday morning for the second one to give this one enough time to breathe. But uh, for like the last uh, three four weeks, I've been dealing like with this obscene obsessive coughing fit uh, that comes and goes. I think finally I'm on the back end of it. I wasn't really coughing as much today. But also, uh, because I have three kids, and each of those three kids had a touch of the stomach flu, Daddy got the stomach flu, and um, I had to visit the toilet quite a bit last couple of days. In fact, a little bit uh, earlier Monday when I was at work. Yeah, I know you wanted to hear that too, but I, I tell you what, it was not that there's ever a good time to get stomach flu, but... I'm glad that I got it at the back end of this uh, this coughing thing because if I had stomach flu and this coughing fit both full force at the same time, uh, I would I would have to make that foray into uh, depends. It just there there would be no way around it. Uh, so I guess I lucked out there. I am feeling better now. Uh, I am not crapping my brains out, and uh, again I'm not uh, coughing my head off both both very good uh thanksgiving otherwise <laughs> went okay uh parents came up with uh, deviled eggs and green bean casserole mother-in-law took care of all of the size my wife made some great pies she made a, a, a an awesome apple pecan butterscotch pie that uh, i pretty much demolished in about three days time um turkey turned out great everything was good kids didn't eat crap because they're picky as hell. But uh, other than that, everything went well, and uh, we had a good time. We had a very good time. And then uh, Prince went home, and my wife got uh, Oppenheimer on Blu-ray. By the way, got a really cool thing Christopher Nolan said uh, here in a few moments. But basically, Christopher Nolan and I see eye to eye when it comes to movies. Uh, but, yeah, Thanksgiving was great. Uh, my wife also... Uh, she's got membership at uh, Club Fitness, you know, the, the the big chain gyms. You know, she wants to get into shape and everything. So she's got that. And, uh, of course, when uh, when we're both off, I tag along as a guest, and I did that Saturday. Uh, Sunday, she got went there straight from work. I was at home watching the Colts game. Um, and, you know, it, it's sad that there are grown-ass adults that do this. But she was there, you know, she was working out, and there was a gym bro, a meathead, a muscle-bound meathead, walking around without a shirt on. I didn't know if that was uh, permitted at a gym. I thought you had to uh, be a little more tactful about that sort of thing. But he was walking around without a shirt on, showing his muscles off. And uh, there was a rather attractive lady on one of the uh, ellipticals or whatever, 
And he was making the crude finger tongue motions, you know, trying to get guys to scope it out, going, hey, hey, yeah, yeah. And uh, he kind of glanced at my wife, who, uh, of course, uh, had kind of the discerning mother look on her face because, well, she's got kids that misbehave. But none of them would ever do something like that because they're kids. Um, yeah, so there's an adult going around this gym acting like a total ass. When, you know, when you go to a gym, you're there to work out and get out. That's it. Yeah, there might be uh, some eye candy there, but you keep your distance. You respect uh, her or him or whatever you're into, and then you leave. You don't you don't make yourself out to be like this funny goofball uh, whatever because you're not being funny or goofball. You're being creepy. That's the type of shit that gets a restraining order, order slapped on you. So... Yeah, she saw that Sunday. Crazy. Um, I almost wanted to be there just to see this dude do it. Because, again, an alleged adult doing shit like that out in public. Uh, by the way, a couple of shout-outs here. One to a Shaq Leonard, a great defensive player for the Indianapolis Colts. Was, uh, unfortunately, before Thanksgiving, he was let go. Uh, kind of shocked a lot of fans in him. And, of course, he's been injured. He hasn't been the same since those injuries. Hasn't been playing as much. Uh, but two cool things he did. Uh, one, even though he got let go, he could have stayed at his house and sulked. But later that afternoon, was Wednesday, he was handing out free food, free turkeys at a uh, food drive down in Indianapolis for Thanksgiving. And just that's the, that's the type of person you'd want on a team. And then Sunday, he was at the game in one of the box seats with his uh, girlfriend or wife and, uh, and their kid. There, He was watching his former teammates uh, play their asses off and get the W. And that, to me, is just the epitome of class act, uh, uh, Shaq Leonard, the former Darius Leonard. Shaq Leonard um, loved watching this guy play for years. And obviously, a, a bigger man than most of us in that situation. Uh Basically, going back to your former place of work and watching uh, your, your teammates, your former teammates work and cheering them on. Great dude. And another shout out to uh, Frank Reich. Unfortunately, let go last year in the middle of the season and then uh, replaced by Jeff Saturday. Uh, he, he took the head gig down in Carolina and was fired this past Sunday. Uh, actually, uh, earlier Monday because the the Panthers are now 1-10. They're a complete train wreck. Uh, I think they're on their sixth head coach now in about six years. That's not a good track record, by the way. Um, you know, with, with uh, his time in Indy, like, I know they were struggling in his final year. I thought the classier thing was just to let them finish out the year and then uh, part ways with him, but that was beyond his control. And then he went down to Carolina where the owner's an even bigger control freak and it just didn't work out. He's a great dude, Frank Reich. And hopefully he gets on somebody's coaching staff. I, I just can't see him being a head guy uh, in the near future. But he's always been a class act. And uh, I, I thought a far better hire than uh, Josh McDaniels, who I was glad to see get fired uh, from Vegas. Okay, Deion Sanders. The mania has cooled. It is dead. It is kaput. He's still the head coach out there. But uh, over the weekend, the team, Colorado, finished the year. Four and eight. There will be no conference championship when you're four and eight. When you lose uh, eight of your last nine games, um, there is no bowl game. 
all quiet on the Western Front. And uh, you, uh, there's been some uh, quarterbacks that committed to the team at the beginning of the season, I think for 2024 and 2025 each, and they have decommitted to Colorado. And Dion is now worried about his players going to other schools, you know, NIL, transfer portal, all that fun stuff. He is begging uh, the donors, the boosters, to give more money so he can keep these kids. Um, and, you know, I'm just thinking about how his son, the quarterback, uh, had he put on his uh, his uh, Rolls-Royce Phantom earlier this year by the uh, Co- the University of Colorado uh, campus police. And this team just kind of seems spoiled and aloof. Dion seems a little spoiled and aloof, and it's it's heartbreaking to see because you're expecting great things, and it just turns out, no, no. But here's a team four and eight. They they, uh, they sure they were better than last year, but they pretty much faltered at the end of the year. The results weren't what fans wanted, and uh, the guy that's running the program is wanting more money. I can't think of a better example of why colleges, universities as a whole, fail. They want more money, they need more money, and when you give them more money, the results suck. And um, Colorado, uh, that that football team, just great example of that. All right, uh, a little bit of a sports controversy. Um Chiefs game, Chiefs Raiders uh, over the weekend. Kid loves the Chiefs. He goes there with uh, the Travis Kelsey jersey on, and he's got the headdress on because they're the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sure some people would have problems with it. But uh, according to sports media pundits, uh, this kid was dressed in blackface, and they this is a kid, mind you. And uh, the, the camera shows one half of his face, the black part, and they're saying, well, he obviously hates black people, so Deadspin run, runs with it. Dan Lebetard, one of the dumbest of radio announcers, uh, sports commentators, runs with it. And everybody's talking about, oh, they, this this should never have happened. He's in blackface. This is half his face. The other half of his face is painted red. Black and red. That was the colors that he painted on his face. And these these sports pundits with this kid... Pretty much, they were making him out to be something he wasn't. These are the same guys that hand ring and bitch and moan about misinformation on Twitter X, Facebook, whatever. People running with stories. It's okay when these guys do it because that's what they went to school to earn their degrees in, right? They can run with uh, this because they have the best of intentions. And damn it, who cares if it's a kid? We saw half his face. He's got to be partially racist or something. This is why you don't listen to sports radio. This is why you should give up reading a lot of sports columns. I mean, uh, there, there's a few guys that I will read. Um, but by and large, a lot of these guys are advocates. They're, they're not writing about sports. Uh, they could have written about how the Chiefs overcame adversity to beat the Raiders. They could have talked about how the Raiders... Uh, are pretty much rudderless right now since they don't have a designated head coach. They've got an interim head coach. No, that's not what they run with. They run with a kid with half his face painted because they have a story to tell. They have a gear to grind. They have a a grudge, 
a grievance to air. It's not even Festivus yet, people. Come on. All right, Hollow Notes broke up uh, over the weekend. Well, I guess uh, this this happened a couple weeks ago, but uh, the lawsuit, uh, one's got a restraining order against the other um, because of a business deal. One wants to sell one part of the business. The other one's saying, nope, 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 can't go for that. And I know that doesn't sound original, but again, a lot of news outlets are running with that because, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of their way of saying uh, living the dream. When you can't think of anything else clever to say, you say living the dream. So they, uh, with Hall & Oates, can't go for that. But it, but it is heartbreaking to see, you know, them break up around the holidays. You know, they got to feel a little lonely. Um, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> a duo that hasn't had a, uh, a big hit in 40 years finally calling it quits, I guess. I don't know. So, um, Disney continues to suck over the weekend uh, the hunger games prequel uh was number one napoleon uh looks to be a decent movie for ridley scott came in number two and wish the new uh disney movie came in third place and here's the thing i mean the, the hunger games is a franchise it's an ip i get it you know there's there's gonna be some success with that um but napoleon beat a Disney movie. Number two beats a number three. That, to me, is surprising because Disney is supposed to be this family-friendly brand, allegedly. And here's a two-and-a-half-hour R-rated war biopic about a dictator that did better business than Disney did on a four-day holiday weekend. And I doubt very much those families took their kids to go see Napoleon. I think they just kind of forgot. I mean, you, you stay at home, you watch the Christmas specials, you watch uh, Disney movies of years past uh, that were actually memorable and fun and satisfying. Yeah, you can't be bothered with Wish, especially since a lot of customers have been burned by the storytelling of a lot of these Disney movies as, as of late. And, and by the way, Pretty much all but one movie for Disney this year has lost money. I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 did very well. It could have done better because a lot of people were slow to go there. But once they realized, hey, this is actually a fun movie. It's actually what you go to see movies, what it's all about. It did well. Uh, the Marvels did not do well. Uh, Elemental, eh, it, 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 it kind of came back, but it was not really all that great. Um, a lot of movies for Disney have lost money, and here you have what should have been a surefire thing for the company, not even make a ripple. No, I doubt very much anybody realized that this movie came out. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, Guardians 3 did very well for Disney, but overall, the superhero genre has been struggling, and some people might think, well, you know, it's because, uh, the genre's dead. I'm going to go 70% agree on that. You still have some outliers that uh, uh, that that do very well. I just think, you know, if you tell a shitty story, regardless of genre, people are not going to like it. And, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese has been adamant against uh, the comic book movie because he thinks that's what's killing cinema, right? Uh, Christopher Nolan was asked this question. And by the way, Martin Scorsese praised uh, 
uh, Christopher Nolan earlier this year uh, with Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's a great movie. Uh, but he says, you know, these are the type of filmmakers we need to fight back against the comic book movie. And I'm just thinking, so there's at least three movies of uh, Christopher Nolan's you have not seen, Marty. But Christopher Nolan was asked this question, and he goes, well, I think it's a balance. And basically, he says, you need the big franchise movies, the big IPs, the intellectual properties to draw people in. But at the same time, there should be other filmmakers out there pushing boundaries and doing different stuff. That's the correct answer. Um, I've, you know, I kind of had this argument too, uh, a few years back with the rock and roll hall of fame. Uh, the in, one induction class had both Def Leppard and Radiohead. You can't think of two more diverse bands than Def Leppard and Radiohead, same induction class, but those are the type of bands, both bands that serve their own purposes in the industry. Def Leppard sold hundreds of millions of albums, packed the house, you know, they were crowd-pleasing rock, and, and they got the job done. They brought in millions and millions of dollars, whereas Radiohead, you know, they have their own following. Not quite as big as Def Leppard, but they're a little more artistic. They push the bounds. I think OK Computer is one of the best-sounding albums I have ever heard. But, you know, in order to get that out there, you need a big label, and a big label's got to make its money from somewhere. So you have these big power bands that do that, while you still have like these smaller art house bands doing what they do. Yeah, you follow me. So you kind of have to have the same balance with uh, with uh, movies, with any form of pop culture, and that's what was getting me about Martin Scorsese's argument. He's like, "Yeah, superhero movies are killing the industry." No, they're not. They're filling a void because a lot of people are craving good storytelling, be it from a big blockbuster or a small art house film. And by the way, even with the comic book uh, genre as a whole, outside of Guardians 3 this past year, um, stumbling, Flowers of the Killer Moon didn't exactly set the world on fire. Yeah, you got the critical love, Marty, but uh, it had a steep drop-off at the box office. And I, I doubt it's going to be as memorable as something as, say, like Goodfellas or Raging Bull or or Taxi Driver or any of your movies. I mean, Martin Scorsese's got a, a great, great resume of movies. He's done a lot of great films. This one doesn't seem to be one of those classics that's going to just live in other people's minds. In It just doesn't. Uh, I was a little disheartened when I saw this uh, because I'm a huge fan of the movie. This is Spinal Tap. Uh, it's probably my favorite comedy of all time uh, because it skewers rock music. I'm a huge rock fan, but I also know that rock bands, rock stars, well, they, they do crazy things. They say stupid shit. They, they are who they are, right? And I thought it was a, a great satire, a brilliant parody of, of rock uh, came out in 1983. I think I saw the first time I saw it was in 98 when I was away at uh, Ball State for the first time away from home. And each time I saw this movie, it got funnier and funnier and funnier. Well, uh, uh, Rob Reiner, who directed the movie, says uh, he's going to do it again with uh, uh, the, the guys that did it before, Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, and the, the very talented Michael McKeon. And uh, there's going to be big guest star surprises, like Oh, hey, Paul McCartney's going to pop up in this movie. Elton John, Garth Brooks, who knows who else might pop in. And 
you know, that's a testament to how popular Spinal Tap is. Don't get me wrong. But hearing that these guest stars are going to be in the movie itself kind of turns me off to that movie because you really didn't have those big rock star appearances in that movie when it came out in 83. I mean, actor-wise, uh, Billy Crystal and Dana Carvey were in the movie before they became big. Fran Drescher was in the movie. Um, uh, I think Angelica Houston was in it too. Paul Schrader, uh, Paul Schrader, Paul Schaefer, uh, and a few others. But like, you didn't have like, oh my God, Al Scooper is in uh, Spinal Tap, or oh my God, uh, Motley Crue's in Spinal Tap. That wasn't it. But now it just seems like, oh hey, this is kind of like the in gag. It's like it's like a celebration. This is uh, the nostalgia trap culture we live in. Whereas, you know, hey, I like Spinal Tap. I'll go back and watch it. And it just doesn't sound like it's going to be what it once was. You're you're too into the joke. And if you see Paul McCartney or Elton John in this movie, yeah, it, it kind of destroys the illusion a little bit. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. If they loved Spinal Tap, that's great. Because they probably saw a little bit of themselves in these guys. As have a lot of rock bands. I mean... Uh, there's been a lot of great stories of rock stars watching this movie for the first time or the tenth time going, yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, that happened to me. Uh, I mean, I, I just, yeah. that You're not going to get that with this sequel. It's, again, part of this whole nostalgia trap culture we live in. All right, uh, a couple quick hits. Ireland looks to ban uh, free speech, or actually they're going to make it a, a criminal penalty. If you have speech that incites violence somehow uh, with protected characteristics. So basically they're going with a caste system. If you say something that somehow incites violence, and by the way, uh, unless it's like screaming fire in a theater or... You know, you're telling somebody to riot. I mean, that that's violence. That's dangerous. But, like, if you say a joke or if you have an unpopular opinion and it doesn't necessarily directly incite violence, but people react violently, you could be in trouble. That, that to me, is asinine. But that's Ireland. And, uh, the, you know, they just recently had a riot not too long ago. Uh, over some stabbings and now uh if people speak out you know there could be some consequences for those who speak out this is why free speech is important to protect if somebody crosses the line and acts violently you arrest that person and you put them in jail and you have them stand trial you don't do that to somebody who speaks their mind but that's what they're contending with over in ireland ireland right now oh uh new zealand Last year, they passed this law where they would eventually ban smoking. Um, they have since reversed that, and I got a chuckle out of this because uh, they've uh, they've elected a more conservative government, and they need the tax revenue from the cigarettes uh, to fund tax cuts. So yeah, that that's that's why you know whenever they make a big deal about smoking over here stateside. Um, and my whole thing has been like, look, you either make it illegal totally, ban tobacco totally, or you leave it the F alone. Um, but just quit 
quit regulating the hell out of it. This is why, because politicians love to bring the price up on cigarettes with taxes so they can get more revenue. And they know damn well that people who are addicted to tobacco would only be happy to pay extra so they can get their smokes. That's what's kind of going on in New Zealand. And that's what's been kind of going on here stateside for the longest time. Um, I myself, not a smoker. Um, I couldn't imagine myself being a smoker. I, it would drive me nuts parting with that much cash daily. Smoking that much daily. I mean, how much is a pack of cigarettes here in the state of Indiana? Seven, eight dollars now? New Zealand now, of course, making smoking great again. All right. Um, Vice Magazine. I guess this used to be a libertarian type of magazine or kind of a gonzo journalist magazine. Now it's just basically like any online magazine. You're, you're filled with liberal guilt. And if you're not, shame on you. You need to be. Uh, I didn't read everything in this article. In fact, uh, I got I kind of got the cliff notes from not the bee. Um, but there's this trope in movies. It's, it's uh, called the white savior. And a, a lot of more progressive film critics are critical of movies in which, you know, an oppressed minority, uh, be it, you know, somebody who's black, Asian, or, you know, a woman or somebody who's gay, like, they, that they are only lifted if one heroic white dude stands up for them. They call that white savior complex. And the left likes to go on about this a little bit, right? This is um, what Not the Bee tweeted. Vice reposted an article called 100 Ways White People Can Make Life Less Frustrating for People of Color. Think, that's the headline. 100 ways white people can make life less frustrating for people of color. And, uh, what, you know, they, they go on and on about all these little things. But if this is an article um, directed at white people, okay, and white people take it upon themselves to do this thing, to make it less frustrating for people who are minority or people from different walks of life, wouldn't that make white people the white saviors that progressive film critics gripe about all the time. My only thing is, is, I don't care who you are, what you look like, you know, as long as, you know, you follow the law, you pay your taxes, and you're not a dickhole. Like, I, I, that's about as easy as you can make it. Don't overthink this stuff. The fact that a magazine put out these 100 things, I mean, how the hell are you going to keep track of this? To be honest, you can't. Because you're, you're human and you're going to put your freaking mouth in your foot eventually. And, you know, it's okay to apologize and it's okay to, uh, you know, forgive somebody for being stupid. At least that's what I've been told. Okay, um, so Vice is stupid. This kind of cringy, kind of sad. Um, I got this posted on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but this company... Uh, is having to uh, cancel this big trip that they pr uh, promised investors, or actually uh, people that brought, bought tickets for uh, this cruise because investors are pulling out, uh, and it's for a three-year cruise where people actually s sold their homes, purchased tickets to be on a cruise ship for three years to go around the world. Well, they couldn't find enough people to go. Uh, it, 
investors found this a little bit shady. There's kind of like this Firefest thing to it yet. Yeah. Um, but now they're canceling tickets. It's, it's a story that kind of bears watching. Uh, and I'm wondering how soon they're going to make this into a Netflix documentary. But, I mean, this has to be the elderly. Because why else would you sell a house to go to a, on a cruise? And for three years, to go away for three years. Who, what type of person are you selling this to? This has to be somebody who's lonely or really doesn't want to see their kids all that much. They don't want them to come around. They don't want them to know where they're at. Oh, this is too good to be true. Three-year cruise ship. Yeah, let's sell everything. Live on a boat for three years with strangers. That, to me, does not sound appealing. This, this, it is some weird false hope type of thing. Um, you know, my wife and I kind of talk about, you know, years from now, when we get old and retire, we'd like just to move down to Tennessee into a house, uh, someplace secluded. We don't want to be on a boat with other freaking people. All right, so there's that. And, God, I'm, I'm running out of time. I have all this stuff written down. I just can't get to it. Um, but, I, you know, I, I do hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Pete, on the other hand, does not know um, how to be happy during the holidays. They're probably going to be obnoxious Christmas. Can't wait to see what they put out. Um, but uh, they got roasted over the weekend uh, because uh, they put out this tweet where, uh, you know, the traditional Thanksgiving dinner, you're gathered around the table with your family, and there's the turkey in the middle of the table. Well, they had turkeys gathered around the table with a human, a headless human carcass, you know, in, in the formation of a turkey on there. And they go, well, you know, a turkey would never do this to you. Why do it to a turkey? The community notes on Twitter X were hilarious because they pointed out that a turkey is carnivorous, will eat small things like little, little birds, little lizards, little mice. And if they were big enough, uh, they probably would utilize weapons or, or uh, the means to uh, cultivate, kill, and cook a human. It reminds me of The Simpsons, uh, the Bovine University episode, the, the one where Lisa became a vegetarian. And uh, they were watching this educational film about beef in class. And actor Troy McClure told this little boy, You know, Jimmy, if a cow ever had a chance, he would eat you and anyone you ever cared about. That's what a turkey is, man. Um, I know that the, the former was satirical, but the latter, damn right a turkey would eat you. It's, it's almost like uh, if he doesn't know how uh, animals work. Ah, well. With that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh. Cheese bangs. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.